that puts the Vancouver Canucks at 15th overall set. All right. So let's run through the possibilities here again. Lakiramaki, who we talked about. Yep. Kemmel, who we talked about. Ogren, who we talked about. Oslund, he's a center. So what have we seen so far here today, Dan? Defensemen and centers rise. They definitely rise. So the take would be they take one of these wingers because best player available, and they like they've been they've been uh, um, connected to Lakiramaki and Ogren a lot. But that's all Patrick Alvin has talked about is going best player available. Yeah. However, is Osland the best player available to them? Is there maybe a defenseman? Mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about yet that they like a lot here. So those are the types of possibilities. Um, so of the defensemen available, Pickering, who I'm not quite sure Vancouver takes here, but again, a possibility. Chesley, right-hand defenseman as well. Bixel, Vancouver's not taking here, I don't think. Uh, that would be a, a bit of a reach on uh, on Bischel or on Chesley. Uh, Bischel is a left shot. I mentioned he was a right shot earlier. That was my mistake. But Pickering would probably be... Uh, from most projections, the top available defenseman still out there and available. Korchinski went 7th overall. Mintikoff went 10th overall. Matejchuk went 12th. So all of those defensemen we thought might be available for the Canucks at 15 are not there. That's why you're sitting on Kemmel, Ogren, Lekaramaki. And I would say, you know, after going through a lot of uh, people's lists and experts' lists and analysts' lists and talking to people around the league, you know, those guys have gone. You like they have? They're all over the place in terms of where they are ranked. But I would say Lekromaki yeah. is most often ranked the highest of the three, and then Kemmel, and then Ogren. After that, yeah, and the one option we haven't talked about yet is trading down. Yeah, now it doesn't seem to be happening at this stage with just over two minutes remaining for Vancouver to make their selection here, and we'll see if a trade does get get announced. But this is a spot that you could trade down from, and considering Kemmel, Lakiramaki, uh, Oslund, Ogren are still available, if there's a way to drop down a few spots. Maybe that's perfect. You know, go to 17, 18 or something, if that's possible. And then you still get one of those guys and you get something extra on top of it. I'm not sure that's in the cards, but definitely a possibility if Vancouver can move down. I'm not sure Vancouver is willing, considering the talent available on the board, to move down considerably, but it's certainly an option here. Uh, Montreal is one team that's uh, already selected here twice. Uh, Well, they've selected once here in the first round. Um, They have the 26th pick still available that they could uh, potentially move up for. Anaheim uh, is another team. There's only so many teams there that uh, could move up and maybe have multiple seconds to potentially move up with. Yeah, it potentially could. Uh, People are texting in and wondering about uh, Brad Lambert. Should we mention him at 15 as a possibility? I know in our mock draft, uh, you you you're high on him. You you picked him for the Islanders at thirteen. Uh, I picked him at thirteen for the Islanders, as much with the family connection as uh, as, as yeah. anything else. But they traded the pick, so they couldn't even make it. Lambert is the best skater in the draft. Definitely one of the fastest. Yeah, for sure. Uh, straight line speed is is just a really good skater. A lot of good tools in the in, in the toolbox, but there's there's got to be some question marks there. He scored twice uh, in Liga this year, playing with men. Probably was a step too high for him at his age, but 
Was it the right move for him in his development? I think that's a fair question to ask. I think there's a lot of reasons why on a lot of boards, some people even have him as a day two guy, Brad Lambert. Yeah, I've I've heard some people have him slight yeah. slipping into the round two. Him, it's it's a proverbial toolbox. You have it. Yeah, the tools are there, and you know I've, I've I've heard some people question some of his um, some character concerns because he's asked out of teams already a few times, and it's like yeah. you know what's going on, what's going on, and effort levels has been questioned, and sometimes those things can catch wildfire, and sometimes it's not even necessarily true. There there are reasons behind it, but once that kind of reputation follows a player around, it can be tough. Uh, I like a lot of what Brad Lambert does, but ultimately bit of an enigmatic pick. The Vancouver Canucks are walking up to the podium. Patrick Ooh, Alvin. I like this angle of Alvin is strutting up. up to the podium. <laughs> All right. For his first pick as the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. We'll have the Sportsnet broadcast take over from here. The Canucks have their pick in at number 15 overall. Is Todd Harvey. I spent a lot of nights in hotel lobbies with him. He was over in Europe watching Kemmel and Lekker Armaki. Well, let's hear what Patrick Alvin. They've, they've reshaped their front office, of course, with all sorts of additions. And, you know, Cami Granado, Emily Castonguay, assistant GMs. And uh, they're making their pick now. The Vancouver Canucks are proud to select from uh, Sweden the SHL, Jurgården, Jonathan Lekkerbecki. Lekaramaki is the newest Vancouver Canuck. No thank yous, no anything. Patrick Alvin just straight to the pick. Love to see it. Love to see it. Keep the keep the broadcast moving along. I already like Patrick Alvin. He a did bit not more. hesitate to take Jonathan Lekaramaki, man. This was did uh, not hesitate. He was, he was like, you know, he was so excited to draft Lekaramaki. Nothing. This is who we're taking. From Sweden, Yur Gordon, Jonathan Lekaramaki. Uh, so this from uh, Cam Robinson uh, at uh, EP Rinkside. Lekaramaki owns one of the best releases in the class. Needs a whisper of time to get it off. He split his time between the J20 and SHL and was given offensive opportunities in the top tier. A monstrous offensive showing at the U18s has catapulted him up draft boards. He'll need to prove capable of getting inside at the next level. That is uh, Cam Robinson, one of our favorites on Jonathan Lekaramaki. Yeah, um... And it's one of those things where <laughs> he he's a really good player. And I see people I see some people mentioning another Swedish player. He's five eleven, a little scrawny, and all that sort of stuff. There's still projection to go uh, in his frame. And the guy's still seventeen. He turns eighteen in four in seventeen days, July twenty fourth. So he's a late birthday kid, and. Yeah. He had really strong numbers playing in uh, in Sweden this past year. He even had you know played twenty six games in the SHL, nine points. He had seven goals though in that time for yeah. a seventeen year old playing in that league and being able to score. It, That's impressive. There is a lot there with this kid, you know. And uh, Vancouver definitely had an option to move down here, and they just chose not to because they believe in this this talent. Uh, his defining characteristic is his shot. So if you're looking for a player that can score goals. Could be a catch and release type shooter. Jonathan Lekaramaki is your man. There are, uh, well, there are thoughts that he has one of, if not the best shot in the draft. So that's what the Canucks are banking on here. They're banking on a player that can potentially score a ton at the next level with a potentially elite shot. That's what's got him here to being a first-round projection, and 
It's what ultimately will make him a NHL star should he get there. I think this is a really, look, you can never have enough guys that score goals. (laughs) And that's ultimately what wins you games in this league. The Canucks are, let's be honest about it, Sat. They may move on from a winger or two here in the next little while. This is, you know, a player that won't be here right away, but one that you can project potentially helping out this team in the not-so-distant future. Uh, we have Patrick Alvine with Elliot Friedman. Let's hear Your selection, once you started to drop that far, did you get a sense that this could happen with you tonight? Well, we got a, we got a little bit of a sense that it could happen there when he was, uh, we, we had him obviously a little bit higher on the radar there, and uh, we're excited that it was falling down there. How much do you think, how much work do you think he has to do before he's ready? Well, I think um, a lot of those younger players here obviously need to get stronger. Um, I mean, he's, uh, he's a skilled, smart player playing at the pro level here this year. So, you know, there's no rush for us uh, with Jonathan to getting over. So we'll take our time here and work with him. All right. There were some rumblings tonight that you were maybe up to something with the Islanders. Anything going on there? <laughs> uh, no comment on that one. All right. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks. That's uh, no comment from, uh, from oh. Patrick Alvine on what was going down with the Islanders. Well, if there was nothing going down, he would have said there was nothing going down. <laughs> so the no comment tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. You don't know a comment unless you don't want to say anything. You know what I mean? No comment. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this uh, outside of no comment. Okay, we'll bring this back again in case people just tuned in. I was wondering, because Earth reported the deal fell apart and last second, you know, um, whatever the deal was, um, ends up being the Islanders going and getting Romanov. I wonder if it's one of the three possibilities if indeed the trade they were discussing involved JT Miller. One being just they want Romanov and he finally, Montreal finally said yes and they said do 180. The yep. other one is the uh, conspiracy theory which is uh, Lou Lamorello got wind of the media knowing and said I don't like when media knows what I'm doing so we're not doing this. And the other one being what if the conversations did go that far and there was permission granted to speak to JT Miller. Yeah. And then when they were discussing potentially an extension, that there wasn't an agreement there or that they could they realize it wasn't going to work. And that's a reason it fell apart. To me, if a deal did fall apart, those are the three most likely scenarios. And my guess would be, especially if it went that far and it was that close, because Friedman was talking about it too, like it's about to happen. And we heard the no comment that it was something with the player not working out. Yeah. There's a few things that I think of as as we go through this. You know, if I'm JT, I look at the Islanders, I say, okay, yeah, they, they could be really good, but it also could be pretty ugly pretty quick with the New York Islanders and how that team projects over the next little while. They've got a lot of long-term deals on some aging players. And yes, Lou has given out money and term to some older players, but it wouldn't be money that JT couldn't necessarily get in Vancouver because basically nobody in New York on the Island gets more than 7 million bucks. Yeah. I mean, it could be, could have been money, who knows, fit, whatever. I mean, again, I'm not reporting any of this. We're just, we're talking about possibilities. What could have happened? Yeah. I'm just, uh, kind of going through what, what I would might be thinking of if I was, if I was JT Miller in that potential scenario. So there's a lot that uh, comes to mind when, when you think of that. 
it clearly fell apart right at the last minute. Yeah. Yeah. And there's clearly something happened at that point. And what that is, we may never officially know. Um, I'm starting to get some sort of, you know, theories Sense. and ideas, but it's hard to say. Let me just say my working theory is the one we presented of the three possibilities. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep uh, digging through and seeing about that. We may even get to talk to Patrick Alvine later tonight as the NHL draft coverage continues on. Jonathan Lekaramaki was the Canuck selection at 15th overall. The Buffalo Sabres next up on the clock via the Vegas Golden Knights, who acquired Jack Eichel earlier this year for that selection. Here is Buffalo with their second pick of the first round. With the 16th pick, the Buffalo Sabres are proud to select from your garden in the Swedish Hockey League, Noah Osland. Nice pick. Nice pick by Buffalo. I Noah love Osland. it. Oh, I like if, if if the Canucks took Osland at 15, even though I think Lakira Mackey has higher upside, I'm like, you know what? If you're taking a center, if you're trying to, if you if that's kind of what you're looking at, it makes sense. He, out of all the guys, the reason I'm so intrigued by him, even Ogren, super talented too, but the reason I was a bit more intrigued by Osland than Ogren, Dan, is again, it's not about who's the better player today, is who's gonna be the better player down the road. And when I look at Oslin's game, especially how he sees the ice and the talent that he has, and a guy that still, you can tell, is growing into his ability and growing into his his body, man, a very, very talented player. And, I mean, what a team. Uh, all right. Uh, well, we have the Canucks draft pick at 15th overall, Jonathan Lekaramaki now joining us. Uh, thanks for this, Jonathan. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how you feeling as a Vancouver Canuck right now? Amazing. I'm so proud, so it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is a lot of fun, and especially for a team that has so many Swedish players. What was it like to walk up and see a Swedish general manager, the first Swedish general manager in NHL history, welcoming you to the National Hockey League? Yeah, um, I can't be more proud of it, so it's just amazing. I enjoy it. Uh, what can Vancouver Canucks fans expect from, from you as a player, Jonathan? Um, I hope I can be a good goal scorer, so... Um, score some nice goals. Uh, and, you I mean, you're on a very talented Gordon team, and you saw one of your teammates, Noah Oslin, just get drafted. Ogren might get drafted. How good was that team you, you were on? You're on. Uh, it's very good. I played with them for, like, three years, so I'm so proud for, for them, so it's, it's amazing. Uh, your shot seems to be uh, one of your top traits as a player. Where did that come from? Uh, work hard and watch some good players like Elias Pedersen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think of uh, Pedersen's game? Yeah, I like him very much. One of my idols. So I'm very proud to be in the same organization as him. So I'm very proud. Well, now you guys can work out together in Sweden during the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, uh, so Vancouver is, is your selection at... I, I guess everything's happening for you really fast, but uh, is there anything uh, Patrick Alvina said to you just yet about when uh, when you can uh, really get to, to know your new surroundings a little bit better? Oh, um, I can't hear it so much, but um, I'm looking forward to be a Canucks, absolutely. Well, look at here, we start in Vancouver, okay? There is uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki, uh, the newest Vancouver Canuck.
I have no idea what Sat just said. Uh, you know, I, I said welcome to Vancouver and oh, uh, okay. good luck. And he said, you know, Taksimiki, which is thank you very much in Swedish. Just had to give him a little bit of love, you know, towards the end. This is like the greatest <laughs> thing for our show, and all these Swedes coming into I the organization. It. I love it. It's right up my alley. And we have the one host in Vancouver <laughs> that speaks Swedish. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, Jonathan Lekromaki. Yeah, he, he talked about it. The shot is. Uh, is what he works on. Elias Pettersson, one of his idols. Pettersson's like 22. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, but in Sweden, he's such a big star. Yeah. You know, and these are the guys they watch. And I got a note from Joey Kenward. Um, Lekarimaki was recently drafted by the Giants in the WHL import draft. Uh, so Vancouver Giants could potentially get uh, Lekarimaki over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Patrick did say to Elliot Friedman that uh, he may stay over there in Sweden for the time being. Yeah. And they'll work with him there. Yeah. And somebody, people are texting in now. Tell us more about our pick. You seem more excited about 16 than 15. All right. We spent some time on Lekiramaki. I just wanted to talk about Osland, uh, who I'm a big fan of. Okay. Let's let's dig into Lekiramaki a bit more. Because he is, uh, you know, we just talked about his shot, right? And, and, and he's really good at it, his too. His shot is his standout trait. He yes. skates he skates well, as too, but he is a more all-around player than he gets credit for. You know, when you look at his profile and production and everything, you know which player he is most similar to? Who is that? Mika Zibanejad. Interesting. Not, obviously not a center, but if you start looking at some of the projections based on his you know, points, level of play, age, and all that sort of stuff before getting drafted, the player he's most compared to is Mika Zibanejad. I think that should kind of tell you uh, about the level of talent this kid has. Now, he's not going to play center. That's not what he's going to do. But one of the other things about his game is it is more mature than I think people give him credit for. And for you look at his projections, and this is something that I've seen from EP Rinkside. One thing they do well is called, um, it's called a PGPS. And what it does is it projects the, the likelihood of a player being a bust, playing in the NHL, having success, and all that sort of stuff. So the bust rate for Jonathan Lekaramaki, based on what he's done so far, yep. zero bust potential. Analytically, a player with his profile has never busted. That's interesting. And then when you look at what's likely for him to be successful, 63% success rate is likely. There's a chance he's a depth player and a fringe player, but based on what he's done, his game, his frame, his projections, level of competition, he's a player who's going to play in the NHL, and there's a very good chance, a 60% chance analytically, that he's going to be a a very good impact player. I I would say, you know, um, when when you think of a player that uh, projects... Okay, yeah, he's got more of an all-around game than than he gets credit for, but sniper. Like, you want to see this guy score goals. That's what he just said to us. He wants to be a goal scorer in this league. Uh, I think what you're hoping to see over the next little while as he continues to develop is when he gets to higher levels of play and maybe a full season in Sweden this year, does he get to his spots? Does he get to his spots? Does he get his release off really quickly? Because that's ultimately what you're going to need to score goals at the NHL level. Absolutely. And everything when it comes to that, when you project his game, he has all those abilities and capabilities. So if that's the level you already have, yeah, it's it's going to translate. It just kind of comes down to giving him time. Does he go back to playing in the WHL? Does he go back to playing in Eurogordon? Vancouver's going to be patient. 
they have some options here with him. It's going to take some time before he gets here, but you should be very excited about his upside because if he was a top 10 pick, nobody would have batted an eye. So like uh, ultimate upside, what, what are you, what are you thinking of? What do you imagine? Like he wants to score goals. He wants to be a goal scorer. You hope if this, if this pick hits big for the Vancouver Canucks, He's a 30-plus goal scorer. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy who scores 30-plus. That's what he is. I mean, he, he, I think what you what you can expect is production, probably similar to Besser. Yep. You know? Um, probably 60, 70-point guy if he hits. Maybe a little bit higher, 30-goal guy, maybe a bit more. But he could be a really dynamic scorer for you on the wing whose game really fits into how things are going transition-wise with the speed he has and, and the ability he plays with. There's a lot there in his game. Uh, Jonathan uh, Lekaramaki uh, this uh, in the um, EP Rinkside draft guide from an Eastern Conference executive. I really like Lekromaki. He has a bit of a nose for the net, and he can also make plays. I know he's not big, and he's a bit of a project, but I like his game a lot. He's got the poise to find open ice and the skill to shoot and pass. I think you're going to see him score a lot in the NHL. So that is uh, one note from an Eastern Conference executive. I, uh, I I think this worked out really well for the Canucks at 15th overall. Um, you wanted a player that you could project to have some high-end talent. The run on center and defensemen yeah. allowed the Canucks to get one of the best available wingers in the draft. It, it almost made it, okay, Oastland went one pick after the Vancouver Canucks to the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. But... Uri Slavkovsky was the only winger taken ahead of Lekaramaki. There wasn't another one. Cutter Goche, Frank Nazar, they're, they're centermen. Yeah. Uh, they may end up as wingers at the NHL level, but they're being drafted as potential centermen in this league. Lekaramaki, for all intents and purposes, was the second winger off the board in this draft. Yeah, he was. And so a lot of the consensus boards, I see Paul and Sunshine Coast texting in, they had him at eighth overall. And yeah, again, but that's not always reflective of what actually happens because it's not an industry board. But what was interesting, though, was Bob McKenzie's rankings. Because, yeah. you know, on uh, Lekaramaki, and what he does is he essentially talks to teams and finds out where teams are on these players and that's how he builds his list goes through talks like 10 10 scouts that know the list for their teams and and asks them where the players are ranked the lowest Lakaramaki was ranked was 17th which is range where the Canucks picked them the highest fourth wow so it tells you that there are people that watch Lakaramaki and think that he's a top five talent in this year's draft and this was the kind of thing that was going to be prevalent in this year's draft this this variance and these amount of players that are pretty closely ranked, and there are going to be teams that have these guys ranked very high. Where does Vancouver have Lakaramaki ranked? I can't say, but I can promise you they had him as a top ten pick. It's um, a, a pick. I think the Canucks are very happy to make. You could kind of hear it in Patrick Alvine when uh, he was talking with Elliot Friedman. Uh, they didn't waste any time to make the pick either when they got up there. This is a player that they really like. And why wouldn't you, a player that you can maybe project to score 30-plus goals at the NHL level, is another Swede into the fold, can work potentially with Elias Pettersson for a lot of years. This is a really solid selection for the Vancouver Canucks. They don't have another pick 
until the third round, but maybe that changes over the next 24 hours, Sat. I don't know. But Lekaramaki looks to be a very solid pick. Liam Ogren is the other Swede that is uh, still on the board, but the Nashville Predators are up at the podium to pick at number 17 overall. Let's go back to Montreal. Joachim Kemmel. Ah, Joachim Kemmel is now off the board. The other player projecting as a scorer in the league, Kemmel potentially right there with Lekaramaki is having the best shot in the draft. So that is what you can expect out of Kemmel. But there's a real run on wingers now after so many center and defensemen went earlier in the draft set. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and these are the guys that people have kind of ranked in this range, right? They're kind of going from 15 to 20 or a bit farther down. And we we saw a couple goal already, already with Osland. We're going to see the wingers get out here. I wonder when we start seeing the, these other defensemen go. Because we, we were kind of wondering who's the next guy that goes up. Not a lot of guys have. And then we saw Connor Geeky go. We've seen some of the wingers going now. Camel, obviously, as well. But I wonder when, when this next wave of defensemen get picked up. Um. We're getting a lot of uh, questions in on the Dunbar Lumber text line, a lot of comments as well on the pick from Jonathan Lekaramaki. Greg, the dairy farmer, love the shot on the highlight pack, but worried about the lack of defensemen for the Canucks. I I wonder how the rest of this draft works out for the Vancouver Canucks at. Do they try to force some defensemen into the system Take a couple of. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know about forcing. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they'll just take the best players available. And, and I see the disappointment of fans. I mean, Kevin and Campbell Rivers says you can spin it however you want. Disappointing day for the Canucks. All the trade talk, it didn't happen, and all this sort of stuff. It, it's disappointing. And you know, like I've been saying the last few days, I've been trying not to build up the trade talk. Yeah, what I've been saying, I don't think it's going to happen. The JT stuff. You've you know consistently said it's. Uh... Not likely to happen that JT gets traded. And even today, I mentioned when the show began that, okay, I'm hearing that the Islanders and, and that the Canucks are in talks with a top 15 team and it is picking up after the Dabrinka trade. We'll see if it goes. But my take is, I still don't think we see a trade go down. And then it got really hot and it seemed like a trade was going to go down and apparently it fell apart and all that sort of stuff. But I was never sold on it, on it going down. And I get the disappointment from fans because they really wanted to see something like that happen. But we still have some time left. And I think if a deal actually was close and it didn't happen... I think that's an indication of JT is probably getting traded then, you know, and if, especially if Alvin was as coy as he was about it, that eventually you're probably making a move here and it's a matter of time. So I'd say, let's see what happens with the, with the suite, um, with, with, uh, with Miller the next week or so in the trades. And as far as the pick goes, I know people want defensemen. I know people talk about, oh, another Swedish player and all this sort of stuff. We can't build on the wings. You're not going to solve your problems with the 15th overall pick guys. No. You know, the 15th overall pick was never going to be the ideal center of defenseman being available. What you do in this spot is literally take the best player possible. Hey, you might have you might pick up a center next year. You might pick up a center later in the draft. To your point, maybe a few defensemen are there. You're going to have to hit on outside your first round pick as well. And I get the frustration when you want those positions. But if you are getting the best player available and he's going to be a star potentially, you're going to look back and say it's worth making that deal. You know, it's worth making that pick. You can find other players later on. And especially if he, you know, takes a step up, he's an asset at the very least. Uh, Owen Pickering would have been uh, the top available defenseman, uh, at least on most boards, for the Canucks at 15. 
there was a run on defensemen early on. Mintikoff, Matejchuk, Korchinski, they were all gone by the time the Canucks went around to pick. If you want your team to take best player available, stick to their board. It's pretty clear they had Lekaramaki as the player high on their board. Um, I, I just don't know exactly what people necessarily expect out of that. The Canucks ended up with a player that, by most accounts, was rated higher than the 15th overall selection. This and other text coming in. What a joke. Another undersized player. Still don't get it. You need size and grit. You're still going to have to make other moves. You know? Yeah. You're still going to have to make other moves. You, you aren't going to solve everything here. And, you know, a team is built with a lot of different players. You know? Like, you, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look at the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, they have a lot of big players. They also have guys that play different roles for them. You know, yeah. like you still have to build out your team. There's a lot more they have to do here. How many of those guys were drafted in the first round? <laughs> you know, like I, ultimately you need big skill in, in your top six. Like that's, that's what gets you through. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miko Rantanen. Yeah. He's got a ton of size. Does he play a mean game? Not necessarily. Yeah. McKinnon. Yeah. He's kind of a mean player, but that's just a, a trait that he has. Um, that you love about Nathan McKinnon, that he's got a bit of a mean streak, and it's something he's developed over the course of his career. So, I don't know. The size and grit thing just always seems to get to me, Sat, because I don't know how you could expect a team to really want that in the first round. Yeah, I mean... Or force that in the first round. You can't force anything, and it's just one of those things. You have to take what you have to take at this point, and I, I wouldn't be as concerned about it, but this always happens. Every time a draft pick happens, there'll be people happy. There'll be people that aren't going to be happy. And when you look at a team that needs toughness, needs grit, needs size, and you make picks that don't have those things, then it's easy to point to and say, hey, you're still lacking that. And it's true. But you can't you can't find your center. You can't find your defenseman. You can't find uh, the physical power forward all in the same pick. No. You know? And you still need players that can score for you. And if... If, if you're looking at the possibility of picking a third-line center or what you project to be a you know third-pair defenseman, potentially, and you have what you think is going to be a front-line goal-scoring forward to you, what would you do? Uh, the Dallas Stars are next on the clock. Let's head back to Montreal. We'd like to thank Jeff Molson the Montreal Canadiens, and the wonderful city of Montreal. Also a shout out to our official draft watch party in Dallas at the owner's box. The Dallas Stars are pleased to select from Lexand, Liam Bixel. Uh, Liam Bixel is the latest off the board, a big left shot D. Uh, well, some of our listeners wanted size. The Dallas Stars go for size with Liam Bixel, a six foot five, two hundred twenty-five pound monster of a man who thrives while delivering punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a very physical defenseman, and uh, there was a sense that he was going to go a bit higher this mm-hmm. year. And he does. I mean, you're talking about uh, a top 20 pick. Yeah. 
So, you know, it does kind of show you here that he did end up rising. Cause I know a lot of mocks and stuff. People had him outside the first round. Um, but he's a guy that, and I know I've asked some people about him too. They think he's a better athlete and a better skater and moves better than he gets credit for. I think we uh, often tend to think a player that size is uh, not going to be able to skate well. Bixel does have a, a strong, powerful stride. So an interesting pick there from the Dallas Stars. They go at 18th overall. The Canucks selected at 15, Jonathan Lekaramaki out of Jurgarden. We'll have more on the Canucks pick and the rest of the first round at 19th overall and beyond. That's coming up next on Canuck Central. Uh, let's uh, bring in our next guest. He is the uh, general manager of your Vancouver Canucks. It's Patrick Alvin. Thanks for this, Patrick. Uh, how, was, uh, how was your first draft night as general manager of the Vancouver Canucks? Well, thanks, guys. Uh, no, we were excited. Um, you know, when uh, when we had the opportunity here to pick uh, Jonathan Lekermack here at 15, uh, with scouting staff, uh, we're really excited. Uh, um, we had him rated a little bit higher, so... Uh, Again, we're, we're, we're get, we got a little bit lucky. Well, well I mean, uh, also tell us the truth. You just really wanted to make sure that as the first Swedish general manager in NHL history, you wanted to make sure the first pick is Swedish, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we, yeah, we've got we to fi- figure out the way for the, for the uh, Sedins to, to work here with, uh, <laughs> with some talented players. So, uh, no, we're, we're scouting stuff. Uh, uh, we're really excited about when, when Jonathan was uh, available mm-hmm. there, so... We felt good about it. Well, you mentioned you had him higher. I know you can't tell us exactly where, but is it fair to say that he's a top ten talent in this draft? Yeah, I, I, I we believe so. At least uh, we believe that that he has the potential, the potential uh, uh, going into this draft to be a top ten um, uh, talented player. What was it about his game that really uh, stood out for you? Um, his, his obviously his goal scoring ability and his playmaking ability. Um, highly skilled player, um, smooth skater, um, and, and a gamer. He shows up in, in, in the big games. You know, there's uh, he's uh, drafted in the import draft by Vancouver. Um, do you have a sense of, of what your preference would be on where he plays? Is it to remain in Sweden or potentially make the move to the WHL? Well, from, from our side, we obviously want to get to know Jonathan a little bit more and, and see where, where his preference is. Uh, in the end of the day, it's, it's, it's where the players feel they, they um, could develop the most and, and we will support his decision and we will make sure that we, we have a re- resources there to help him uh, develop his game as, as where he needs to be. Well, it sounds like he was a very easy choice for you guys considering he was available at 15, but was there other players there that made you think? Yeah, we had a couple of other players that we had interest in as well. And, uh, you know, we looked at their options if there was a, a chance to uh, to trade down. But in the end of the day, we, we felt uh, Jonathan was uh, such a such a good player. So um, that's why we decided to keep the pick and, and uh, make the selection. It just felt like uh, a lot of uh, centermen and, uh, and defensemen went ahead of, of your selection there at 15 in the draft. Teams... Uh, just maybe maybe overlooking the wingers uh, and, and prioritizing the those those premium positions is that how you saw it? Well, um, I don't necessarily know if there was uh, that many true centermen that went that early. I mm. think a lot of them, you know, has the ability to play center uh, at this level, but but if it's got to translate or not, then I guess it, it, it may be seen here. But again, uh, we're really excited to have Jonathan there, and that's uh, that's where we're focused. 
Now, uh, some of the other stuff going on around the team today, I mean, at least some of the reports were that you you guys, the Canucks and the Islanders, were talking. Uh, can you t- walk us through that, whether that was a thing or not, and uh, what went, what happened? Yeah, I, I heard that. <laughs> I, I don't know who made that up. I can tell you that. I did not uh, have a conversation with, uh, with the Islanders. So you guys... You guys, um, yeah, you guys making a lot of things up here. (laughs) No, I mean, the the question does, though, I mean, with with JT Miller being on the trade market, obviously, or at least, you know, you guys talking contract, is it busy around him, though? Are you getting a lot of people calling, asking you about a player like him? Well, I think, you know, teams obviously checking in, uh, and and rightfully so. I think that's appeared here uh, around the draft and the free agency coming up, and uh, you know, JT is, you know, he's a good hockey player and, and uh, he, he still has another year of his contract. Um, yeah, team, team checking in, but um, that's, you know, that's part of the job too. So I'm keeping me myself updated uh, with the other teams uh, regarding players, uh, if they are available or not to make our team, uh, team better. Do you feel um, any negotiations with JT on a potential extension have gone in a, in a good direction? Uh, I don't know if we've gone in a good good direction or not. We're still, you know, communicating and, and see, you know, see where, where it goes. Is it one of those things that, you know, as time goes on, that, you know, uh, that, that once you get through the draft, you get through free agency, and if he's still here, does, does it become maybe easier to maybe figure out a deal if, if he's still a Canuck, say, by, by a couple of weeks? Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, it definitely could be. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Patrick Alvin, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central Draft Day edition. Did you have any talks to to potentially move up or down in the draft at all? Uh, we did not talk about moving up here today. Uh, we, were, we were, you know, there wasn't many movements there, and uh, uh, we 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 would consider, um, you know, if, if anybody, you know, give us uh, the right pieces uh, to to move down. But as I said earlier, in the end of the day, we felt really strong about. Jonathan being available there, so we didn't think there was a need to to do to move down. Now shifting your gears to day two of the draft. I mean, I would I would assume that you're probably not getting a first round pick before the the day is done, and that's why you're meeting <laughs> us with us here today. But you know, assuming that your next pick is going to be happening tomorrow, uh, what's your sense on being able to trade? Maybe trying to get some more picks getting into the second round is that a possibility, or do you find that's going to be hard to do this year? I guess we'll see her. We're going back to the hotel here later on tonight and do recap and see where scouting staff uh, feel about the players available and, and uh, you know, see if we're making any calls with other teams and see if they, uh, you know, uh, are willing to give up uh, something in the second round or not. Well, how much fun has it been to be there with the group? I know the scouts love it. I mean, are, are they? can they stop chewing your ear off and giving you advice right now? <laughs> yeah, they, they're a great, uh, great staff here. Uh, really excited to be together with the whole staff here. Montreal for the last couple of days. It's been a lot of work and, and cre- really credit to the, to the staff here for uh, the preparations and the details and the commitment uh, to doing the right things here. So uh, uh, we've got one more day here to focus on and, um, and we'll, we'll do our best here tomorrow. Patrick, we'll, uh, we'll try not to make anything up before we talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Patrick. Okay, All the best. Take care. Yeah. Bye. There is, uh, there's Patrick Alvin. Well, according to him, you know, and uh, saying the media made it up. Yeah, we, nothing to we, see there. Nothing to see here. Yeah. So uh, that's the word from him. And obviously, you know, we joked about you know, not not more action going on. Somebody, you know, tweeted is like, "Why is he leaving the draft floor?" It's like, it's pretty clear that their business is done for the day.
you uh, know, and even if there were conversations about doing some other things, stuff that's not happening today. Uh, there is, uh, there's still work you can do away from the draft floor, you know, they can go back to the hotel, discuss, uh, chit chat a little bit, text message, phones are, are still a thing, right? So th- there's still a lot that they can do, but they're clearly focused on what's going to happen tomorrow. And as he mentioned there, um, talks with JT, not necessarily going in a good direction, but, uh, they're going in a direction. They're going in a direction. Yeah. So, um, there has been a lot of chatter. He did speak with the media in Montreal just prior to joining us. Let's hear uh, what else Patrick Alvine had to say from earlier, uh, just before speaking with us here on Canuck Central. About today, how it unfolded and how close you were to a variety of different deals. Well, um, Obviously, we were really uh, happy and excited to have uh, Lekemeke there at uh, number 15. Um, we, we had him rated a little bit higher here, and uh, um, we liked a couple guys, um, you know, that were still sitting there. So uh, we looked at the options, if there was any possibility to move down or not. But in the end of the day, we felt that, that uh, Jonathan um, has a chance to be a difference maker. With the way the board shaped up, is, is that sort of when you were like, okay, we, we actually can move down? Yeah, I think when you, you know, you, you want to look at your options. Um, and I think that's, you know, for, for, in, our, in our case, we don't have a second round pick. So we were, you know, checking if it makes sense for us to pick up another uh, second round pick and still get one of the players we like. But um, as I said, uh, um, you know, we were, we were extremely happy to see him at 15 there. Most mocks had him going in the top ten. Uh, betting markets had him favored to go in the top ten. I, I, how did, did you bet? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to bet. Um, as you went through this process, would you have expected to have a chance to take him there? As I said earlier, you're always hoping to to have somebody sliding out there that that our staff was liking and and we're excited about. So yeah, we're we're really happy. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't hear anything about it. I saw a couple of texts and tweets, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I, um, there is definitely not anything going on. Well, obviously, they're a good team and a good program there over years. So uh, I think he uh, he's in a good situation there. Um, they developed a lot of players there, and playing a uh, you know he showed this year that he's capable of playing in the top league. And I I do believe for for young players uh, sometimes even better for their development to to go down a level and get hopefully get more ice time and and uh, gain your confidence having the puck more. So we're excited about that uh, opportunity. Perfect. I, I think, uh, I, hey, I, I, obviously we got to get to know him a little bit more, but I, I, I do like where he is. Uh, I think uh, probably a record, too, that you had uh, 
um, two of his line mates drafted in the first round too. So it's it's pretty impressive what they accomplished that line. Speaking of impressive, like his play in the U18, how much did that come into factor seeing him play against players of his age group? Yeah, it was good for me to be over there. But but uh, again, our staff have done a tremendous job. They they watched him uh, for a couple of years, and uh, you know, so um, they 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 were really um, passionate about him. Well, I think he's a dynamic player. He has a ability to to score goals, but also make a lot of plays. Um, I think his hockey sense is great, and and he's uh, you know he he he's a threat uh, in in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's you know part of playing on the bigger ice surface, and you got to learn how to get to that, uh, uh, you know, and that especially over here in North America. So yeah, I agree on that. It was good. Um, you know, a lot of excitement. I'm I'm happy for my staff and to be back in in in, in this environment again instead of having it remote. And uh, you know, we're excited to have a first round pick. Yeah, we will recap here tonight and um, see what we can do and uh, see what players are available and see what their staff thinks about them. Uh, I know. I think we had a lot of guys that we still were intrigued about. So I didn't, no, we didn't. Uh, we didn't try to move up. Yeah, I, again, like the, <laughs> I feel sorry for for uh, JT. There's so many speculations out there, and and you know teams are checking in, um, and, and rightfully so. Again, he's he was our best player last year, and and he's a really good hockey player. So um, you know we we're gonna continue to talk here and, and see if we can find a, a, a you know a, a path for for both of us that makes sense. Beyond JT. Again, you, you we're we're tight we're tight with the cap space, but but I don't I don't want to take a step back here. Um, you know, if there is a a hockey deal to be made and and improve our team, and you know if that requires you know cutting some some cap space in in order to take on some something you know other, um, we're, I guess we're open for it. But but it's not like we're just gonna you know shave cap space here. Yeah, well, I, I think our, our, our staff get uh, got more and more excited there when he was dropping, for sure. Uh, what are your expectations for him at the moment, Cam, starting on that? Again, I think uh, it's a great opportunity for all those young players to come in and meet their development staff. You know, having a fortune to, to uh, have two Hall of Famers there and Daniel and Hank, and for, for the young players to be around those guys, it's it's a privilege. Um and then, you know, obviously Mike Komisarek, Mike Samuelson, and, and Chris Higgins, too. So I'm, I'm very um, excited for all the young players to come in and meet their developers set. contract for Jonathan the To be honest, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't gone that far yet. Patrick, 
intangibles. You guys got to like pick 11 or 12. I've seen you guys have some discussions when you start to crank up. What were you guys going over in those minutes? Yeah, well, I, that's what I said. I want to take the, you know, check our options and, and see, you know, if other teams had any interest. Uh, and for us, if, uh, if it would make sense to, to move down there and, and you know, collect some, some more picks. Yeah, with a, as a collaborate effort from the staff and what they felt about him. And, and as I said, I've, I've seen him too. And I do believe that he has the potential of being a top six Winger would you know would would a chance to be a difference makers. Patrick, he happens to be an import selection of the Vancouver Giants, uh, so in your hometown. But no thought to him maybe going the CHL route, is there? Uh, we haven't we haven't talked about it. So I, I you know obviously we need to see what he wants and what he feels that his development is the best suited for for him. Um, so I guess we we get to know him here over the next couple of days. And you've been a long time scout in Sweden how long has he been on your radar person I know that it's a team effort but how long have you been aware of this player well I, I think you know as you mentioned here seven goals in the SHL stands out and and being on the national team here for the last couple of years you obviously watch him play and see see his game growth there too so um yeah I'm obviously familiar with him yeah, there's been a lot of Swedes here in Vancouver, huh? <laughs> and and so, some of them really good too. <laughs> I I think he's a lighter. You know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I think he's a lighter Lucas Raymond, uh, where he has the ability to 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 be a playmaker and a goal scorer. I think that's the intriguing part with him. I think he's a, you know, very mobile, um, very, uh, you know, his agility and smoothness, uh, he's good. I think he's, you know, getting more power, obviously, for the young players. I think he will get better. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And that's that's where we have our development staff to, to work with him. There is uh, Patrick Alvin speaking with the media. Um, he is still denying that there was uh, anything going on with the New York Islanders. Yeah. That is the official line. That is the official line from uh, from the Canucks general manager. So a lot still to think about for the Vancouver Canucks. But you know, one thing he did say to us, they potentially had some options and talked about trading down, but they got a player that they really liked there at 15, so they weren't moving down. And that was always the most likely scenario, Dan. You know, that we looked at this draft and there's going to be somebody there at 15 you don't want to pass up on. And that's ultimately why they won't trade down, especially a draft like this where there's so much variance and everybody's yep. list is different. It's a very good chance that someone you love is going to be there. And there was. So um, I like the pick. I think it's the right type of player to go after at that stage. And like, you know, Alvin was mentioning, he's like, some of the guys that got drafted to play center, we're not sure they are. Like yeah. Connor Geeky, you know, we were just talking about him, for instance. If his pace doesn't get there, he'll play on the wing. Yeah. And I think some wonder if he is a winger. Frank Nazar, same type of thing. Some people wonder, is he more of a winger with his size as opposed to being a centerman, you know? So you start going through that list and you're like, okay, now you kind of see what he meant. Even Matthew Savoy. Yeah. Because if he's not going to be a guy that lives in the middle of the ice, especially as a centerman, he's going to have to play on a periphery. Ultimately, that'll be a winger in the NHL. 
And uh, Cutter Goche as well uh, may not end up playing center. Might be a power goal scoring winger at the at the top level. Marco Casper, yeah, he'll play center probably, but um, beyond that, I can understand mm-hmm. what uh, what Patrick was talking about. The Minnesota Wilds selected at twenty fourth overall. Uh, so we'll bring you up to date here on the latest picks. Uh, they take the chance on Danila Yurov. It worked for them a couple of years ago with Kirill Kaprizov. So they are taking the chance here on Yurov, six foot one, playing with Magnitogorsk in Russia. I believe he is still signed there. So going to be uh, a bit before he makes his way over to the NHL. Sam Renzel uh, going to Chicago at 25. So that was the Maple Leafs pick. The Maple Leafs move the 25th overall selection and Peter Morazic and his two years remaining at $3.8 million against the cap to Chicago in exchange for the 38th overall selection. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to lie, I think that's a good bit of business for the Leafs who desperately need cap space. Yeah, they get some cap. They don't move down too far, especially yeah. in this draft. That's all right for them to go down to that spot. I, I do think it's inter- inter- interesting, though. Rinzel gets drafted. Yeah. Right-hand defenseman. Yep. Uh, he gets Six picked foot four, right shot D. Big player, right shot D, was taken ahead of Ryan Chesley, who is still remaining on the board. And uh, the latest pick from the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Philip Messar out of Slovakia, oh. right shot. Philip Mazar, super right talented player. Small, very dynamic, a lot of skill, but he's just tiny. The Habs have had an interesting night. They took Slikovsky yeah. at one, then they traded... Romanoff for 13 to the New York Islanders. They use the 13th pick to get Kirby Doc, and here at 26, they select Philip Messar. There was another trade as well. The uh, Edmonton Oilers moved Zach Cassian to the Arizona Coyotes. Cassian with two years remaining at $3.2 million. So this is a salary cap dump, much like Peter Morazic. However, it cost the Oilers a little bit more then it costs the Maple Leafs to move off some money. Uh, the Oilers move the 29th pick, swap with Arizona for 32nd overall, but also give a future second and future third in the trade to Arizona. So uh, pretty expensive cost for Ken Holland to move off of Zach Cassian. Yes, uh, very expensive. Uh, and I don't know. I guess you need the cast space that badly. I mean, is that an indication that Duncan Keith is coming back? Well, He's not retiring? It just, it, well, the optics of it look terrible because of, like, the Leafs, it cost them less yeah, it to move off more money. More money, yeah. I mean, now I guess it's Mrazic. Goldies are hard to find. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. And goalie market's always a bit different. And, and maybe that played a part into it. Because you know the free agent market's not great for goalies. And maybe that plays a part. But, yeah, it's... It doesn't look great for Edmonton. This is a team that's now spending money to just clear up money. Yeah. They're spending assets to clear money up. And that's that's it's always dangerous, man. They uh, gave up assets at the deadline, which I understand that you're doing, but it's just, I don't know. Probably crossing their fingers that uh, Duncan Keith retires. Let's go back to Montreal. The San Jose Sharks on the clock. Thank you, Montreal. You guys have been wonderful hosts this week. I'd like to congratulate Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche. Before we make our selection, on behalf of the Marchman family 
and the San Jose Sharks organization, I want to express our sincere thanks for the outpouring of love and support that we have received over the last 24 hours in response to the sudden loss of our beloved friend and colleague, Brian Marchman. As most of you know, Brian loved the game of hockey. He absolutely loved it. He breathed it, he used it. No one was happier, happier to be at the rink than Mush. His opponents may not have enjoyed playing against him, but as someone who was his teammate, I can tell you that there was no one I would rather go into battle with or who you would want on the bench than Brian. Brian's reputation on the ice was that of a fierce, relentless competitor. But off the ice, he was honest, down to earth, loving, and he truly cared about people. You could tell this by the way he engaged with everyone, the questions he asked, and the time he spent with you as a person. The imprint that he has left on his teammates during his 17-year NHL career, the Sharks prospects who he has mentored and helped develop, and on his colleagues, both inside and outside of the Sharks organization, will be felt well into the future. Tonight, we again send our most heartfelt condolences to all of Brian's family and friends, but particularly his parents, John and Joanne, his siblings, Wayne, Carrie, and Tara, and especially his wife, Kim, his children, Mason and Logan. We love you, Brian. You will be missed, but you will never be forgotten. To make our first round selection is our Director of Scouting, Doug Wilson, Jr. The San Jose Sharks are proud to select from Lynn Chopin Center, Philip Bistad. Philip Bistad is the latest selection in the draft. Uh, this going to the San Jose Sharks, making their first pick of the day after they uh, traded out of the 11th overall pick with Arizona in exchange for a pair of second rounders for this year. So Mike Greer will be busy on day two. An interesting pick by the uh, San Jose Sharks. We'll bring you more on that pick and the rest to come in the first round, only five picks remaining from 28th overall all the way to 32. That's next on Canuck Central.